2020 left-wing riots that occurred across the country and destroyed our cities were the result of anger at a level we've not seen in a long time. The idea that human beings could burn down buildings while people were living in them and destroy the property of fellow Americans is something that we would have never imagined. But it happened. Why is it that the anger all came from the left? Why did all the anger, hatred, and violent behavior come from those who support the Democratic Party in the liberal progressive ideology? Well, first, let's ask ourselves what causes anger. And we've all been angry. My thought is that it, most often the driving force behind anger is frustration. Now, it seems clear that the political left is extremely frustrated, but they seem to be getting their way with their manipulation of society, their social policies, their leadership holding the most power in America we've seen in a long time, and their media supporting all their ideas and social justice causes. So what could they possibly be frustrated by? Well, maybe their frustration comes from the fact that the majority of people want nothing to do with their policies. I mean, sure, we find ourselves living by some of the rules and regulations, and we may even get canceled on social media. But is it real? Is the left-wing ideology something that has sustainability in America? And my guess is that it does not. The vast majority of their dream world lives on social media. Imagine if social media and TV news just went away. Would liberals still have the voice that they appear to have? Would they still have the leverage in society that they appear to have now? So in order to keep Americans under the strong arm of left-wing social justice policy, pol uh, policing, rather, it takes constant effort by big tech and mainstream news to create a virtual world. Online is where life is not really real because there are no real-world real consequences for your actions. So the frustration, anger, and even hatred that comes from the political left seems to be the result of them not getting their way in real life. They may be starting to see that people are refusing their ideas. They understand that they're going against the grain of America and its founding principles with their radical ideas. They understand that the vast majority of Americans despise them and their horrible ideas. Now, they know they can't transform a country that was built on individual freedom into a society controlled by totalitarianism. Normal people are just not willing to give up their rights and freedom to a bunch of twisted freaks, and the desperate left-wing ideologues are getting tired. Their efforts are showing fewer and fewer results as real Americans push back against their way of life and their Marxist dreams. Their frustration comes from knowing that their dream of communism in America is not selling like they thought it would. Well, why would it? How long will they be able to con continue pushing their boulder up the hill before enough people stop pushing it and it rolls back over them, crushing them and their immoral dreams of a government-controlled society, destroying their mission and making them admit that they're the bad guys in this fight. Do they honestly think they can force real Americans into submission? And do they really think they'll confiscate the guns of over half the population to do it? Do they really believe that they can convince people to give government even more power after seeing the damage Democrats have already done? When will leftists, liberal progressives, and Marxist hopefuls realize that they're going up against the strongest opposition they would ever encounter? Real Americans. Believing that they know how real Americans think may have been one of 
the political left's biggest mistakes. America is not built on rules and regulations. America was built on the belief in God and an understanding that every person has an inherent right to live their life as they choose. The entire idea of America was to create a place where people could live free. Leftists think they can forcefully take that away. They may be about to see what happens when you push free men and women into a corner. And we didn't ask for this fight. Some will argue that the political left severely lacks intelligence in the area of political domination and the implementation of authoritarianism. Because unlike countries like Australia, American leftists made one crucial mistake. They were supposed to get the guns first. But their arrogance and incessant need to express their true ideological dreams caused them to reveal their plan too soon. They will never get the guns. And their opposition is growing by the day. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the, the leftist dreams and uh, where we think it's going. Uh, among other things, we have um, oh, a very special guest coming up. We'll tell you more about that later. So, so here's, the, here's, here's the concept, you guys, and let me know what you think. Leftists, Marxists, whatever you want to call them, liberal progressives, they've been trying very hard. I mean, it's clear. They're trying to change policy in America. They're trying to make us live a certain way. But is it really going to happen? I mean, do we not think that real Americans are going to ultimately push back in the end? And, and I, think they're get, I think we're getting there to that point. But what are your thoughts? What are your well, thoughts? We think that real Americans will push back. I think the other side is still under the delusion that they can just keep doing whatever they want. But I think maybe they, they haven't got enough opposition. The day, well, right, but the day of reckoning is coming, I think, because people, in, whether it comes from parents worried about their child's education, whether it's met personal medical decisions, whether it's all kinds of woke culture that's trying to be forced on us all and everything else, and people are just going to get to the tipping point I, th I think there's going to there's be a big turnaround. It might take a little while, but I think it's becoming more normal now for people to, to say, push back and resist. Yeah. And I'm right, not right. going to be vilified because, and I think part of that is we talked about over the last couple months is that people need to start pushing back because when you do that, it lets other people know that okay, it's, it's okay. okay to push yeah. back. Right? And I you've mean, got backup and you're not alone. And you're not alone. See, I don't think we don't, we don't think we're alone either. I don't think, but I mean, I think a lot of people on the left look at people on the right and say, "Oh, that's just a he's just a radical right wing, blah blah blah." And this is how he thinks, and this is what he's going to do, and it's not going to matter to us. But they don't realize there's a whole group of middle America out there that are just like, uh, "You're getting too close here. Back <coughs> up," you know. Well, I guess my my biggest the, my biggest confusion of the whole thing is that. We're just about, I think we're the only country on the planet that has a constitution like like ours. Right. I mean, it's the only, where, where we have freedom, where we rule our government. At least that's conceptually what it's supposed to be. So you know, we've got this, and, and it's the greatest place on, on planet Earth. I mean, that's why everybody's coming here, right? Because it's just the great place to be, and you can live free. You can have your own business. You can make as much money as you want. You can be as rich as you want in America, as long as you put the effort in. Whereas other countries that are dictatorships and socialist, your your income is limited. The Absolutely. government controls everything. And, and no. this is, I think this is part of the confusion on the left, is that they're thinking, well, nobody's going to shoot. 
where people on their side have already demonstrated that they're perfectly willing to burn down buildings and run people over with cars, you know, but they think that us on the <coughs> other side are just going to sit here and watch it all go down, but it's got to reach some kind of a point where we're going to say, no, I don't know what that's going to look like either. That's, that's well, the interesting I thing. mean, to a certain extent, we do sit back and watch some of it. Right. I mean, I guess Absolutely. it has to get to a certain boiling <clears throat> point where we, where we're finally say, no, we're not going to, and you know, I think, Kyle Rittenhouse was an example of that. I think Kyle Rittenhouse recognized that the police weren't doing anything. Right. They weren't helping. They weren't stopping the violence. Right. And you got these radical left-wing terrorists tearing up the place. And that was there for everybody to see for a year, right? Yeah. All these riots went on and nobody did anything. So everybody said, okay, this is how it is. And you get one kid going in there saying, I'm going to help, I'm going to protect property, I'm going to help people out if they need help. And he's the guy that becomes the bad guy. So that, it flipped the narrative on its head for rational thinking people, right? Well, yeah, well, that's true, yeah. And, and the idea that a 17-year-old kid would be the, the catalyst to, to, to send that message. But I guess... When Same birthday of, as Greta. <clears throat> oh, well, that's what I heard, yeah. But, but I mean, I guess when you think about it, it was the Revolutionary War that was fought by 17-year-old kids. Right. You know? So in some, in some small way, I think uh, as much as the left want to deny it, Kyle Rittenhouse is somewhat of a, I don't know, can we call him a revolutionary? Yeah. I mean, is that the word? I don't know. Or, uh, I mean, he's definitely a, a patriot as far as I'm concerned. He went in to a, political, a politically driven chaos... And he tried to fix it, or at least do what he could. Right. Well, that's what it takes, everybody doing what they can. Right? Yeah. That's what we need to prompt people to do, take action. Go to your school board meetings. Go to your local government. Complain <clears throat> about stuff. Speak up, right? Because if you don't, they're just going to run right over us. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. That's what's been happening for generations, right? Yeah. Like in the universities and stuff. I mean, the whole thing is all, you know, they're getting to the kids for generations upon generations. And you got to nip that sooner or later. And a lot of these kids are, they sound like robots when you hear them talk, you know? Yes, Apollo's in the studio. He's, <laughs> he's being good, though. He's just sleeping, right? He's just sleeping. You gave him that pill, right? I didn't give him no pill. <laughs> but, you know, they're really changing the way kids think. And, and, and they're literally formulating their belief structure. That's the right. scary that's part. That's the scary part. Well, that's the scary part with the whole woke religion aspect of it is that kids grow up thinking this is just the way it is that's the way you're supposed to think and that's the way everybody thinks and that hits reality sooner or later but if you get enough of those kids programmed then the reality will change which is what they're hoping for right long term they're hoping that the reality changes it's pretty scary <clears throat> and you know just hiding his historical <clears throat> facts and stories that's that helps their agenda or presenting them in a way that supports their agenda yeah like everything is that was done in this country from the beginning was because of racism like, because if if kids really look back at how the revolutionary war started and and what led up to you know our founding fathers creating this country if they really looked and read the history you know they would they would see that what they're being taught but then here's another thing we talked about cognitive dissonance last show i think so even if they were exposed to it, I mean, and they are, I guess, maybe a little bit, maybe they'll hear bits and pieces of it, but they got the cognitive dissonance because once 
people can be convinced of something, believe something, you can give them all the data you want. doesn't matter. It won't change. So they can read history and understand and, and learn about the Revolutionary War and still not believe it. Oh, their filters have already been insinuated in there. So everything goes through the race filter right off the bat. Everything goes through the power. Oh, these evil men, evil white men were trying to control all this stuff, which, again, is not a useful version of looking at what happened because the people that were doing that back then, well, there may have been bad people. I'm sure there yeah, was. But there race, always had. race relations was a, just a small piece tiny, of the tiny, whole. Tiny piece of the whole. Of the whole thing. Nobody was, nobody running around in upstate New York on a farm was thinking, ooh, I have to take advantage of people of other races, and this is how I'm going to get ahead in the world. No, nothing like that, ever. They were fighting to become free. They were, they were sick and tired of the king telling them what to do, and they said, it's time for us to tell the king where to go. And they said, this is it. We're going to do it. And 3% of the population, right. that's, that's all, all it took. Need. That's all it took, 3% of the population. That's one thing I think it's important to remember. That's why we, we hear about the 3%ers. Left, left-wingers hate the 3%ers because they understand that the 3%ers are the ones that could revolutionize the, the country again. Well, plus, they probably, if they really are honest with themselves, realize that the 3%ers represent a whole bunch of other people. Well, true. It's not just yeah. them. They're just the ones that are willing to be vocal enough to get out there in public and do something about yeah. it. They have backup, and that's what they're, they should be afraid of that. And we got groups like the Proud Boys and, and people who, who are fighting against the left-wing Marxist-type ideologies, and you can't find them on social media. I mean, they are stripped right off social media. And these are the good guys. These are the guys who actually want to preserve uh, American tradition, American values. Well, that's the style, but right? You just silence people. So the good guys Ex-president are president of the United States. Can't put him on social media. Yeah, wow. I don't know. Cancel Amazing. his Twitter. Amazing. So, um, but yeah, so I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know how how it's going to turn out. I, I hope I hope that what happens is leftists will start to understand and start to realize that they're on the wrong side of this thing. That. There's all this projection going on from the left on the people on the right that they would do all these horrible things, but the only people doing all those horrible things are the people that are the radical leftists. The people on the right aren't going out there and burning down buildings and shooting people and running people over with cars. So what is different about people on the left versus people on the right? They have a different religion. They have the woke religion. They don't know it's a religion. This is the danger. This is the danger that people point out about people of faith that are radical because they're in that bubble and they don't know they're in there okay they have a belief system that they think is absolute and they can never be shown anything like we said before you can't give them information that is going to change their mind because that's not how they made their mind up but this woke religion has been going on for so long all of all the facets of this have been going on for generations, right? Ever since the 60s, this, this has been going into the universities and teaching them to care about things differently than they used to, moving the focus away from the family and more on global issues, the whole collectivist mindset. But these people are, a lot of them are just in that belief system and they don't know any different. And, and you know, isn't it interesting how a lot of them, um, I guess, denounce Christianity, they denounce. They, 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 they support. They support um, 
you know, like Islam, they support that for some crazy reason I don't understand, but they denounce Christianity. And so a lot of them are atheists. They don't have a, a religion, but they do have a religion. They do have a religion. This, well, it fills the gap. It fills the void. Because, you know, I mean, what's the term years ago? Somebody called that the human, human heart has a God-shaped void. You need something in there to believe in. That makes that gives your life purpose. Well, so they get their purpose from this belief system, which is telling other people what to do. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of sad. Very basic and very simple. But well, I mean, I you know, I, and I've said it, we've said it before on the show. But when you know, people need a higher power to kind of. Sometimes life gets tough, and when you don't, when you can't handle it or whatever, and you don't know, you you need a higher power. Plus, a lot of people. Um, need to know what's going to happen to us when we die, right? I mean, that isn't that a concern well, for some? They, yeah, I mean, they need. I mean, it's a it's a common human theme. So yes, that, it's natural but, for us to want. That. But when you denounce religion and you become, I guess, atheist, what do you have? You have if nothing. You, don't, you, you, have nothing. you have you have your you find yourself in a in a world that was created with a religious worldview going on. There's no way around it. Everything in the world was created, and religion was going on all over the place. Like it, dislike it, subscribe to it, not subscribe to it. It doesn't really matter. This is why the conversations with a lot of atheists, like with Sam Harris and stuff, he's always smuggling religion into these things. Because these a lot of people think that they're going to create this new framework where the world is going to be all good and everything else. The problem is they don't have any structure. Because the only structure there is came from religion. That was the whole... Holding you accountable, having being responsible. What Ten might commandments, happen, right? What might happen later on, right? You yeah. had a you had to look to the future, and you cared about what your actions might do in the future. Now they've contorted that into something where we have to tell other people what their actions are going to do going into the future. So it's all it's it's basically a projection based religion where their point is to tell other people how they should be. And it's never looking in the mirror. It's ne- it's 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 well, clear. It's sinister, but it's almost impossible to overcome because so, of how it's put together. So it brings me to our next topic. And since we're talking about religion, Christianity, uh, Christmas obviously is a a, a a huge deal in America. I mean, there's I don't I don't know how many Christians there are in America. I, I really never did the research, but so Christmas probably the most popular uh, holiday. Uh, whether the left likes it or not, it's undeniable. So there's this Christmas parade, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody knows, everybody's heard about this story so far, but I wanted to talk about it a little bit. So you got the Christmas parade massacre. Um, police reported uh, the terrorist was intentionally trying to hit people and speeding up during the attack. So you got this guy. What was his name? Brooks. Brooks. Mr. Brooks. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Brooks. Um Mainstream media, so so we'll just recap real quick. Brooks drives his car through a, a Christmas parade, and right. he intentionally steers, and he's going fast. I mean, if you watch it, we're not going to show the video. It's freaking brutal. Oh, screaming it's, through. I, I don't even, I wouldn't even want, I don't want people, if you haven't seen it, trust me, it's, it's not even worth watching because it's so horrible and so bad. So he drives through, and he's just taking people out like, like, like a video game. Right. Really, like a video game. Real human lives are just ended. Um, <laughs> this is where it gets so stupid with the left. Um, 
mainstream media is reporting the violent massacre as a car crash right. to protect the killer. Reporters and media outlets across the country have been criticized for referring to the attack, which prosecutors say was intentionally committed by 39-year-old Daryl Brooks in order to cause as much destruction as possible as a parade crash. Parade crash. Yeah, so let me read a little bit from the Western Journal. Um, police say Wisconsin man uh, intentionally sped up as he drove his SUV through a parade in Waukesha on Sunday, killing six people and injuring dozens more. While the establishment, establishment media is busy blaming the killing spree on the car. <laughs> huh? Blaming the killing spree on the car. In other words, they're... They want to focus on the car rather one than... One of those unexpected acceleration things. Probably. Rather Instead than the this... Breaking, the car goes faster, one of those. He must have been uh, watching Knight Rider when Kid took over. <laughs> Kid. Michael. Officers who were on the scene are pointing their fingers at the driver. A criminal complaint against Daryl Brooks contains statements from officers who said he accelerated as he drove along the parade route and ignored their commands to stop the vehicle just before he struck... At least 68 people on the roadway and sidewalk. This, I, what do we call this guy? Savage. He is a freaking savage. savage dirtbag. How did he end up stopping? What happened? Did he hit something or did uh, no, he run out of away. gas? He drove away from the parade. Oh, he drove away. He drove away. They, they, a cop actually opened fire on the car. And wasn't he, Anthony, you were talking about this earlier in the green room. Wasn't he, he was convicted of something prior to this? Well, he got arrested for running down his girlfriend two weeks prior and was let out on $1,000 bail. $1,000. So he runs his girlfriend down with, with, the, same with the same car. With the That's same right. car. I don't, I'm not laughing at that. I'm just, I'm just saying it's just, it's silly that, we, that this guy was even out in public. Yeah. The DA decided that, eh. You ran somebody over, you're good. You can go out back on the street. You're fine. Even though he's a numerous times convicted felon, has been in, in and out of prison since he was 17 years old. I'll let him out. Yeah, I'll let him out. Thousand dollars. Fine. It's all good. Unbelievable. So now he is back in jail. Obviously, he's back in jail. I saw a little clip of the court of the court uh, when he was being sentenced, and um, he was. He had his head down. He was all sad. And, you know, so I just, I man, I hope, I, I usually don't hope that people suffer, but I hope this guy suffers. That's I mean, where you want a dash cam, focus on the driver, to see his face while he's driving through that. Crowd. Well, he what doesn't. What's going on with that? And, and the thing is, the, the left is trying to, trying to cloud him and take him out of the picture and just blame it on some kind of car crash. I don't know why they would want to do yeah, I, well, I, Kyle Rittenhouse did what he did. All of a sudden, oh everything, God, the whole every world bad blew thing up. possible was blown all over the media everywhere. He's this, he's that. Blah, blah. Well, the it's, funny thing about Rittenhouse trial is that there was another trial going on at that same time of a black man killing people in self-defense. Right. Never heard about it. Right. And he was found innocent <coughs> as well. Innocent of those charges. Right. Exactly. Because, because that story, this is the interesting piece, because that story, see, the left has... All these different causes, and they have they have their position on all these cause social causes, and they throw them all into the mix, and eventually 
you're bound to have one one yeah. cause bump, bump up against another conflict. conflict. Because right. their narrative is not that well thought out. <laughs> yeah, because they not. leave out the consequence aspect of yeah. it. Right? They never think, well, what's going to happen if we do this? What happens in a year? What happens if we change all these felonies to misdemeanors? That won't mean anything. Really? Right. Oh, yeah. Now the Home Depots have those sledgehammers. And I need a hammer. And I can't yeah. get one because the flash mob stole all the hammers. We'll get into the flash flash mobs in a second. Oh, my gosh. We're almost out of Oh, no. Well, we can get after the break. Discover Simul TV a new streaming platform with over 100 channels of live stream content and video-on-demand movies. Family-friendly shows to classic and blockbuster movies. Subscribe today and get so much for so little. Stream in harmony on Simultv.com. The media and politicians create terms like gun violence and ghost gun and assault weapon to change the narrative around guns in America. The entire anti-gun fear campaign is built on the reactive emotions of people who don't know any better. And the media seeks their support for gun restrictions. In Good Gun, Bad Guy, I give you the behind-the-scenes look into the mind of the anti-gun radical. Because before we can defeat them, we need to understand their tactics. Good Gun, Bad Guy 2 exposes the media strategies used to create a perpetual state of irrational gun fear and hatred toward gun owners. Good Gun, Bad Guy 3 reveals the political motives behind the gun grab, why the left wants an unarmed population, and what we can do to thwart their efforts. The anti-Second Amendment radicals started this evil game. Good Gun, Bad Guy is the rule book they hoped you would never see. Go to goodgunbadguy.com to get your copy or purchase the entire series. Chris Bergard, uh, who is the director for the movie Capital Punishment. And this movie tells the real story of what happened on January 6th at the Capitol. So stick around. Coming up right after this, we got Chris Bergard. This is treason. Where is my officer? I can't breathe. I can't even. I'm Nick Searcy. On January 6, 2021, I went to Washington, D.C., along with multitudes of other Americans because we believed that the election was stolen. I saw with my own eyes what happened that day. And what they show you on the media doesn't tell half the story. Here's the Capitol and here's people going in there. They didn't show all of this out here. I saw people of all colors, races, creeds, Asian Americans for Trump, blacks for Trump. 
I even saw a guy wearing a shirt that said fags for Trump. And since I'm from California, I knew that guy. We're from Iowa. Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm here standing with my fellow patriots. We all standing for America. Despite what the media tells you, boots on ground definitely say something different. There is a sea of nothing but red, white, and blue patriots. These are damn working people right here. They want their country back. We're marching for the Constitution. We're not, it ain't really about Trump, it's about us now. They're, they're attacking us and we're tired of it. We had a foreign attack and they had domestic support. This is about individual liberty. We don't believe the media. We don't believe you. We don't believe, we have no faith in our institutions. The FBI is now being sent out by Joe Biden to punish people. We're at war. They're hunting down Trump supporters like dogs. You say that again, we're at war. 147 days since my wife was murdered and executed. The FBI, you have a federal search warrant for the property. Come out with your I step hands. out, I have red dots all over my chest. They broke the door down. Hands up, hands up, put your hands on the wall, hands up! I was in jail for four straight days. I, I kept banging on the door saying, I have never had a phone call. The sixth was all deception. The level of sophistication and tactic is immense. Oh, I recognize you from Portland. Uh, I've seen people from Portland here, Antifa. I was paid to pretend to protest. We need to come together as Americans again and remember why we started this country. An insurrection without arms? What are they talking about? And why are they lying? The crowd was absolutely massive, unlike anything we've ever seen before. This is a true example of the majority speaking up and having a peaceful protest. If the crowd wanted to get unruly, there would have been no stopping it. But the truth is, this was Trump supporters, and they didn't want any violence. This was a group of people who realized the election was stolen, and their conscience wouldn't allow them to sit back and do nothing. They needed to speak up. They saw corruption, and they knew the world should know about it. There were no weapons, there was no violence, but that's not how the left-wing media portrayed it. They portrayed and continue to portray the January 6th Capitol incident as a white supremacy, racist attempt at a hostile takeover of the government. But contrary to every eyewitness who was at the Capitol on January 6th, the media continues to spin a fake narrative. Well, Some people have had enough of the lies and are doing something about it. Along with his partner, Nick Searcy, our next guest, Chris Brigard, is living proof that truth matters. And yes, there are still people in this country who are willing to speak the truth against all opposition. Chris is the director of a movie called Capital Punishment, which tells the true story about what happened on January 6th, 2020, at the Capitol building. We're very lucky to have Chris here with us today and talk about January 6th and the movie that will shine a spotlight on the fake left-wing narrative. Chris, how are you? Every day is Christmas. 
every day. <laughs> and, you know, it's so great to have you on the show. We really are proud to have you on our on our show. You guys did a fantastic job with this movie. Um, I, I, I was, I, I tell you what, I was really moved by it. And, um, but I want to talk about the movie. I want to talk about January 6th, but I really want to talk about whatever you want to talk about. And I don't, I want, I want you to tell, because I'm sure you're doing a lot of interviews now. I've seen some of them and, and, um, I'm sure you, you're getting a lot of different questions and, and a lot of stuff, but really, I guess the one thing that I'd like to know about is give me an overall feel of the atmosphere and attitude that day. And then we can kind of work, work out from there. You know, I, I, well, first of all, I'm honored to be on your show and thank, thank you, you so much for taking the time to do this with us. Um, I think Nick says it best when he says it felt like a tailgate party. I would, I would say it felt kind of like an older senior citizen Christian tailgate party. Um, there were a lot of kids there too, but you saw a lot of, folks my age and older um some with walkers some with electric wheelchairs praying singing songs um it was about the most polite crowd i've ever seen in my life and i've been going to protests and rallies for 17 years um that i've ever seen in some places the crowd was so massive and so packed that if i didn't have the camera up above my head you couldn't get your arms up because the crowd was packed in that tight it was it was unbelievable it was the nicest crowd I'd ever seen. The one thing was different is I smelled more pot in this crowd than ever before. And in hindsight, looking back and looking back at the video, it was because of all the anarchists, Antifa, BLM types that had infiltrated into the crowd. That was, uh, you could, that's the one way you could tell them. They wore masks and they smelled like pot. That was, that was like yeah. a big giveaway. Yeah, and, and, you know, the media will never tell us that there were Antifa and left wingers uh, involved in this thing, and they're trying to hide it. Um, but it's it was obvious. And, and you guys even showed, and I don't want to give too much of the movie away, but you even showed video of the Antifa guys in in the trees and bushes changing their clothes into Trump clothes, you know, like Trump hats and sweatshirts and stuff to make it look like they were Trump supporters. What a terrible bunch. I mean, so, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we not only filmed those people doing that, but John Sullivan, you know, BLM leader, filmed himself, and yet Christopher Ray says there's no evidence that anybody was you know, anarchistic, <laughs> Antifa BLM types were there. Um, going back to that couple that you saw us that that you saw changing clothes. Yeah, when we ran into her, she was swearing at us like a drunken sailor yeah. trying to get us to attack uh, the Capitol Police. And when we called her out on it, she took off and her and her, her partner took off. And then right next behind them, you could see this guy with an earpiece in his ear following along behind him. And um, the um, the earpiece in his ear, he was like the quarterback because these guys, when you go to enough of these events, you see these these cells, these Antifa protesters, they, they, they go in cells, the squads from like like four to six, seven, eight people. And they usually have a quarterback. And that's what this guy was. Hmm. And, you know, we, we ran into FBI on the ground that day. I was there with my wife, my daughter, and um, we said to the, the agents on the ground, I said, hey, you've got bad guys here trying to incite violence against the police. Would you like me to, to point out to you who they are? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, do you want to take a report? And they're like, no, we're good. And um, that was disappointing. And that, that 
that became foreshadowing of what we were going to see down the road with, um, unfortunately, how the FBI and the Department of Justice has handled this whole event. And just to be clear, moving forward in the interview, I come from a law enforcement family. My father was a veteran. He was law enforcement. He actually graduated from the 109th session of the FBI Academy in Quantico. So know that when I when I critique the FBI and some of the stuff they've been doing since then, it, that kind of hurts me. But mm. it's the truth. It's what we saw. It's what we filmed. And as when you see the movie and you see people have been terrorized and victimized by the FBI, the Department of Justice, it's what's really happening in the United States of America right now. Mm. All right, we're here with Chris Brigard, the uh, director of the movie Capital Punishment, which everybody needs to see. Um, fantastic movie. So, Chris, after after I saw a lot of videos, it sure looked like the Capitol Police were almost, you know, welcoming people into the building. I mean, if you didn't know any better, you'd think it was like a, a guided fifth grade field trip. What was the what was the deal with the Capitol Police? You know, that's that's one of the conundrums of the whole day. Um, why were they fighting at one entrance and it was like World War Three? yet two entrances down, they were letting people in like it was a guided tour. That's that's the mystery um, you're going to see in the movie. There's two 74 two year old twins, Lorene and Maureen. Yeah. Um, they came up from Florida. They just walking around and the doors open and the Capitol Police were letting people in. And they even asked the Capitol Police, is it OK if we go in? And they said, sure, it's fine. So they went in, they looked around and they went back out. Um, I, I will tell you that as a film director, there were several instances there that it was almost like you were watching a movie. And there were actors and there were directors and there was a plethora of photographers filming everything um even it, it, it just felt wrong yeah that whole day and um the minute you know our radar started going off the minute the mainstream media started running with their narrative and um that it was it was just wrong in fact if i can go back a little bit i can tell you that day when things started to change for us if yeah. that's okay oh absolutely yeah so you're outside the ellipse. The, the way it's set up, you have the Washington Monument is on this hill, and there's this whole green around it. Then it goes down to this road. There's a bunch of trees. And then there is this ellipse section where the president was speaking. And they had a really good crowd in there, but there was probably close to 2 million people outside there that never got in. Mm. Um, you, it, it was unbelievable. I mean, the, the, the crowd size was huge. And so it went from and when the president got done speaking, a couple of things happened. One, he was an hour late Two, he went on forever and started to repeat himself. And everybody's like going, what's so weird? This is so weird. What's happening? Why is it? it this isn't what we came here for. Um, it's cold, but he's still speaking. And as it turns out, by delaying his speech that long, all of the Trump supporters that came to hear his speech were still at the ellipse while the initial breach was going into the uh, into the Capitol building. But we didn't know that at the time. Mm. So the president asked for people to peacefully march down to the uh, Capitol building to let your voices be heard. But as you'll see in the movie, when mainstream media released his sound bites, they edited it together to make it sound like he wanted people to aggressively yeah. oh, go yeah. down there and get things back on being strong. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's lying. It's, it's past, yeah. 
It's past fake news. It's propaganda the way that they re-edited that, as you see in the film. So we get out. We start walking, walking down to, um, to the Capitol building. And what should usually be about a 10, 15-minute walk, because it was so crowded, took us about, about 45 minutes, better part of an hour. But as we're walking down there, I'm looking around, and I, I said to my wife, honey, I've, I've got a bad feeling. I'm getting deja vu back to when I was in Central America and Honduras covering the attempted color revolution down there. And she said, well, what do you mean? I said, look around. This crowd is huge. Where's the film crews? Where's CNN? Where's MSNBC? Where's Fox News? They're not here. They're not covering this, which tells me that the, the images of people marching peacefully and praying and singing patriotic songs um, saying the pledge, pledge of allegiance. These aren't the images that they're going to want to go out with after this event is over. I, I think something's going to happen at, at the end of this march um, at the Capitol building. Buddy Nick, who's at the Capitol building, and he said, I just watched the Capitol police move the bicycle racks. They're letting people into the Capitol building and just Without even thinking, the hair stood up on my arms. I looked at my wife and I said, honey, somebody's going to die today. That was my experience in Honduras. It was, they, 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 there was a death and then they marched with that to push their narrative. And as it turned out, um, that's what happened. And the more we went through that day and then the months afterwards, going back over all the footage that we shot and other people shot, um, no doubt this is an orchestrated event. And I'm, I'm talking orchestrated with a very high degree of sophistication. We all know it was orchestrated just just from the data that we've got and, the, and, and watching your movie. People have to see your movie. Um, here's, you know, here's the interesting thing, and, and it just kind of shows the hypocrisy, because after watching the videos and put out by the news, um, and by watching your movie, I mean, they, they couldn't really create violent stuff. So they got some people maybe climbing the wall or whatever, but overall we know that there was no, you know, no violence, but what happens is it was a peaceful protest two two to 3 million people. But when you compare it to the left wing riots of 2020, it's, it's night and day. And the, the, the very interesting thing is that this January 6th is being called this, you know, an insurrection by white supremacists and all this nonsense. But 2020, people burning down buildings and destroying cities and killing cops. Oh, well, that's that's not that's nothing to no, nothing to see over here. You know what I mean? So I guess after making this movie, after being there, what are your thoughts on the hypocrisy and the difference in narratives that they're using. My thoughts are that that's all agenda driven. That's all happening for a reason. Um, my personal belief after doing this movie and working with a lot of intelligence professionals and the military guys that we talked to, um, to put this film together is one thing you'll see in the film is January 6th was years in the making. Um, this is, it's an event that was made to, to take control of the United States of America. 
but it goes along with something that had been seeded for years, as you'll see in this. Um, I think that not only are you seeing the rule of law has been thrown out the window. As you say, BLM Antifa, they can burn down cities, they can, they can take down federal buildings, and they're released the next day, often without bail. And then as we see in many, many cities, the charges then drop. Versus anyone from January 6th, you have people who have been in prison over 10 months now, still waiting for their trial. Um, you'll see in the movie, as you saw, you know, SWAT teams of FBI oh, units man. with armored vehicles breaking down the front doors of American citizens' houses, you know, traumatizing four and seven-year-olds, uh, putting 13-year-old girls into handcuffs. Uh, Dr. Simone Gold, she's she's an easy person to find. You could call her, you know, her organization. You could call her up, make an appointment with her. You know, why did they break in her front door? And and and. and it, it, it's a it's a campaign of, of terror perpetrated like 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 you might see you know in Afghanistan and Iraq, but is now actually being perpetrated on the citizens of the United States of America. I mean, we have the constitutional right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, to a speedy trial, um, the First Amendment, and as you see in this movie, those rights have, have been just trampled, just thrown out the window. Um, as much as, as as I was seeing from being there on January 6th, as much as I saw that event being orchestrated, manipulated um, by the elite and by the mainstream media, I wasn't prepared for what we came across to the extent of which um, our rights are being abused in this country and that the FBI has been made a weapon of a political party and um this is third world stuff this is this is what you would see in a color revolution in um in egypt or in uh, venezuela or in ukraine but it actually is happening right now in the united states of america and when you see local and state police being defunded and at the same time you have nancy pelosi putting capital police headquarters um, wanting to expand into Florida, into California, the federalization of the police, the nationalization of the police, nationalization of the police. We've seen this throughout history in, to, in oppressive, tyrannical regimes. And it's, it's, it, it's hard to comprehend, but it's actually happening right now in the United States of America. And what we're experiencing right now is a purge. When you take control, you have to eliminate the opposition and that that's pretty much what you're seeing right now um there's there's people in the in the movie that you're going to see that were arrested that had their front doors knocked down their families put in handcuffs and never entered the capitol building um they were there that day but they never entered the capitol building but what they did do uh back home was organize trump caravans uh, put together anti-mask protests uh, help local businesses organize to, to board up their buildings uh, before BLM protests hit town. Um, these were people that were leaders, and now they're victims. Mm. And that, that's a through, through line that we've seen through many of these people. Well, you know, a couple of things, you know, you sparked a, a lot of thought here. And um, one thing that was really disturbing is the way they um, they just terrorized average people. 
I mean, these are people living in little ranch houses in in uh, in communities, and they're and they're rolling and in, rolling into the neighborhood with these with these military vehicles and just scaring the hell out of them and the little kids and stuff. And I was so I was so impressed by the one little girl. Um, I boy, I forget the family's name. The one little girl, she said, "What's that?" Isabel Martinez. Oh man, she was fantastic. She said, "My dad told me not to. Uh, my dad told me to keep my composure. My dad told me to 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 not get emotional or something like that. Because when you do, I forget what she said, but it was so impressive. Oh, man. What what did she say there? I can't. I wish I could remember. It was so good. She she was scared and she was about to cry because they pulled her into the cold and they had handcuffed her." And she was about to cry, but she remembered what her dad told her about keeping her composure and not making a mess out of herself. Making Um, a mess of it, yes. It was, and and the Martinez family, before, I mean, they they still haven't gone to trial. Um, They were kicked out of their home that they had been renting for years um, because their their landlord cited the hate crime clause Mm. in in their contract, in their lease. So, you know, Tony, like most of the people in the film that have been gone through this, has lost his job. Now his family's homeless. They're living with his mother-in-law. And um, <laughs> it's, it's to send a message. It's to send a message that if you, if, you, if you voice dissent against the mantra, how dare you stand up and say that the election was stolen? This is what's going to happen to you. And I have to tell you that what happened on January 6th and what happened to these people is still happening. My wife got a call a week ago because someone in the neighborhood is before the film was released, heard we had made this movie. And a friend of a friend, she calls up my wife and she's in tears because she had been to there on January 6th. And a few months back, the FBI came to her house and interrogated her for four hours. Nothing has happened since then, but she's so scared. She can't eat. She can't sleep. She's afraid to leave the house. And this is the woman that lives nine miles down the road from us. How many more women are out there are like that? Um, It's it's being done on purpose and it's to send a message. Well, and and um, this is something you would see third world dictatorships. You wouldn't think you'd see it in the United States of America. And and you guys are doing a great thing by exposing it. And I just hope I have a feeling that this movie will go down in history as a, a a pinnacle moment where we expose what the this is all democrat driven am i correct it's bigger than that well this is the yeah. enemies of the united states yeah it's it's and i i don't want to go into it but we saw plenty of evidence that okay. it was it, it wasn't just democrats okay. um there's a lot of stuff we didn't put in the movie, but if you see the movie, it'll it'll open up your eyes enough to see that we're being lied to. I mean, just start with the crowd size. Did any mainstream media outlet show how big that crowd was? No. And you start going from there. You see information handled in such a in, in, in such an obvious false manner to create a false narrative. You you got to start looking at the man behind the curtain. You got to start asking questions. Well, one thing that I do notice, and so we're we're really heavy into um, defending our Second Amendment here, and we we're strong supporters of uh, of of gun rights. Um, what I'm noticing is as the left pushes hard to restrict, you know, create more gun 
restrictions and, and gun laws. Um, what I'm noticing now is gun sales going up. More people are starting to support gun rights. Um, even Democrats who didn't previously support gun rights in the Second Amendment are starting to wake up a little bit. And so what I'm noticing is that the same thing is happening with our political landscape in general. People are pushing back, whether it's whether it's moms, you know, at schools um, or, or whatever. Trump, Trump supporters, people are pushing back against against this um, force that's trying to eliminate our American tradition. Um, where do you think, I know, and I know you don't have a crystal ball, but where do you think it's going and how long are we going to endure this and what's ultimately going to happen? Are we going to rise to the point where we bring back American values and American tradition and we get back on track? What are your thoughts? Wow. Lots of stuff there. Great, great question. Let's start, at, first of all, to answer the, the last part of your question. Absolutely, I believe we're going to get back to that. I think that we're, we're, we're crescendoing to a tipping point of awareness of information. Mm-hmm. And when we get to that awareness, when enough people realize how we've been manipulated and lied to, I think we'll stand together. We absolutely will win this. What I want to caution against, um, the Second Amendment is right now, I mean, our First Amendment is gone. Um, the censorship that we're facing is unbelievable. I, I could talk for an hour on the censorship we face just trying to get this film out there and what corporations won't sell us advertising time. But the Second Amendment, it, it's my belief that they've been the enemies of the United States of America and the forces that were behind uh, putting together this orchestrated event on, on January 6th have been trying to get Americans to fight each other for a very long time. Um, and you'll see in the movie, we, we document how that has happened and how the infiltration has come in um, to do that on a national level. But just in the last two years, I believe that the same people that orchestrated the violence at January 6th um, wanted violence in the streets from all the BLM riots with the burning of the uh, mm. of our cities, and our federal buildings. I think they really thought that Americans were going to grab their guns and go out in the streets and fight these guys and they would get civil war. Yeah. Because the way these folks work, you'll see in the movie, is you work the right side against the left side, you create all this chaos and violence, and then out of it, you take power. Now, that's the same in every color revolution. First, you have to have a disputed election. Then you have two sides going at each other. You get them to a certain point to get the chaos, and out of the chaos, you come in with power and control. Um, So going to a shooting war is the worst thing that could absolutely happen to where we are now. Now, make no mistake, knowledge is power. And we are in an information war. Now, in the first American Revolution, you know, there was the the top 3%, and then there was about, that did the fighting, and there was about 30% that that supported them. Then you had another 30% that were for Britain, and then you had another 30% that just wanted to be left alone. Mm -hmm. They won that war by standing up to the greatest superpower on the planet with muskets and cannon. This war... You don't win with muskets and AR-15s. That's that's how we would lose. We win this war by standing together in truth and putting out enough of the truth that Americans can see it and wake up to it. I hope to gosh that every Democrat on the and 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 
Every Democrat, every, every liberal, progressive person in this country watches this movie. Because even if you don't agree with the Trump supporters' politics, the things that are being done to Americans um, is, is just wrong. And for those of us, you know, on the right, those of us who are Second Amendment um, enthusiasts, we have to look at the, the, the left and the people that, that, that would, it's, would it be easy to think of them as the enemy. They're not the enemy. These are our fellow Americans that have been thoroughly brainwashed with propaganda that has hit them on so many levels for, for decades. What you're seeing now is a result of a concentrated asymmetrical warfare on the United States of America. I spent 17 years on the border when we started seeing the Sinaloa cartel bring in all this fentanyl and heroin from, from China that the CCP was sending in. Intelligence guys on the border, we knew what this was. This is an attack on the heart of America. That's why when you have more people dying of heroin overdoses in America than car accidents, you're starting to rot America from the inside out. You're going after her core. There's so many moving parts to this and what we saw on January 6th is a, is, is a part of a much bigger assault on the United States of America. Yeah. You know, you said something that was really interesting. You said, you know, you talked about the 2020 riots and you, and the worst thing we could have done is have, you know, you know, violence in the streets and shootouts and stuff like that. <clears throat> I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, this is exactly what they want. Um, and we did see touches of it. We saw little bits of it because I remember Proud Boys and, and groups coming out saying, hey, we're not going to let you get away with this stuff. So there was some conflict, but luckily, I don't know, get, get, tell me your opinion, but as far as I can see, luckily it, it, it didn't amount to a whole lot. And um, <laughs> you know, you, you're right. We do have to move forward and we do have to unite. On this show, we talk about the, uh, we talk about the brainwashing um, all the time, and I hope we can get f- through to them. Um, we, we we have only a few minutes left, Chris. So I guess my next question would be, how can we unite when there's so much tension and anger between the two political ideologies? Well, the first thing you can do is I, I think this film should be shown in every classroom in America. I think every person in the United States of America needs to see this film because the human, the inhumanity that's being perpetrated by our government against her own citizens is enough to give us common ground. Um, you saw the United, you saw the left rise up when they thought Trump was putting kids in cages that Obama had actually built. You know, that was enough to get stir people to activity. Well, how about American children being thrown into handcuffs and dragged out into the cold? Yeah. You know, uh, they're suburban houses. And I said, if we can't rally around protecting our children, you know, from a weaponized law enforcement agency, then we're no longer Americans. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And uh, we're, we're so happy that we to talk to you. you. You really had a lot of, a lot of great stuff to say. And I hope that people, you know, I hope people go see the movie and we want to help support you and your efforts in getting the movie out there. So we're going to we're going to talk after we get done here and we're going to try to connect our studio with you guys and 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 see if we can help out in any way. So um, the, we're, we're out of time, but I want you I want to give you an, another minute or so to just tell people 
uh, how they can see the movie, and, and basically your, your call to action. What, what do you want people to know? What do you want people to do? Our call to action is you want people to see this movie and just ask yourself, when you see what's been done to the people in this movie, do you think it's right? Do you think it's fair? Do you think it's legal? You know, if should these things be happening in the United States of America? And if you don't think these things should be happening in the United States of America, then you start to understand the problem that we're in. And you can start to reach out across the aisle. You can reach out to your neighbors and we can come together. We need a tipping point of truth in this country. Because if we get to that tipping point of truth, I think it's going to be about between 68 and 80% of America needs to understand how bad we've been lied to. And when you see what they're lying to you right in front of us now, then you ask yourself, and any person does this, well, if they're lying to me about this, what else are they lying to me about? Yeah. Chris, what's the best website? Um, The the last thing to make it real quick, capitalpunishmentthemovie.com. Go ahead. You got one more thing? Joseph Goebbels. He said, if you tell, make a lie big enough and repeat it often enough, it becomes the truth. But then the real truth becomes the enemy to the state. This is the United States of America. This isn't Nazi Germany. I believe that the truth is the ally of the people and therefore should also be the ally of the government. So let's just bring the truth out. You know, the, the truth isn't afraid of a lie and a lie can't stand in the presence of truth. So let's just get the truth out to every American in this country. Excellent. Thanks so much, Chris. We really appreciate you coming on the show and um, best of luck to you and the movie. And um, and uh, just thanks again. Thanks so much for watching the Loaded Mike on YouTube, Rumble, Simul TV, and Right America Media. You can also catch the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, whatever your favorite podcast app is. We're there. I'm Dan Wass, and the Second Amendment is not a privilege. It's your right.